audio check. Today's guest is a pharmacist that's worked for Walmart, the VA, the Army, and now Boston Consulting Group. Stay tuned for this awesome episode. Hello, everyone. This is RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith. And today I have with me Dr. Prince Chijoke. Prince, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm really excited to jump into a conversation here with you because you have a very interesting background and we're actually connected by a, uh, a mutual connection on LinkedIn. So I am, uh, I'm excited to kind of jump in here and get to know you a little bit better and get to know kind of how you got to pharmacy, what you're currently doing now and, and give some insight into, into your career. So um, before we get into some of the specific questions I have, can you just start by giving the listeners just a, a high level background about yourself and your career? Sure. Sure. Um, so I went to pharmacy school at Howard University, graduated class of 2015. After pharmacy school, I did a community residency with Walmart and the University of Arkansas for medical sciences. Uh, so I spent a year in Bentonville, Arkansas, working on different projects within Walmart Health and Wellness, as well as being a teaching certificate there. Then after my residency, I went to the VA um, in El Paso, Texas, where I was doing formulary management as well as informatics. And all throughout that time, I'd been an Army Reservist, um, first joining prior to pharmacy school and doing the Army Reserves piece throughout pharmacy school. And then I transitioned to becoming an Army pharmacist um, halfway through my residency experience. And then now um, I'm currently doing management consulting um, with the Boston Consulting Group. Gotcha. So if anyone that is following along here, you can see why we have a lot to kind of jump into. So uh, let's let's first start by, I guess, telling us about what your residency experience was like. Can you can you give us some insights there? Yeah, so it was pretty non-traditional. Um, it's, it's probably a lot closer to a, a fellowship, kind of how the you know, farm, farmer guys do, or yeah. essentially... Um, I spent four days a week in the Walmart home office working on different projects within Walmart Health and Wellness um, across the country, as well as responding to different uh, inquiries from the field. Um, I was kind of like the troubleshooting guy for a lot of the um, MTM um, platforms that we were doing, as well as doing different kind of field communications. Um, and, but then one day a week I was in the store um, doing tra- typical traditional uh, community pharmacy work. And then on top of it, it also had a teaching certificate aspect where um, I taught some lectures at University of Arkansas as well as doing some stuff at some local high schools talking about um, careers in healthcare. And what what was like some exciting things or, or problems or that you had to deal with kind of from that corporate level or just kind of fielding things? Um, is there anything that pops out or pops into your mind about some of the really cool, exciting things that you got to do in that residency um, at the kind of corporate level, not necessarily, you know, as a traditional pharmacist would. Like, what kind of problems were you kind of solving that was pretty cool to deal with? I think the, the biggest thing that, that it exposed me to was um, just a better understanding of the whole uh, star metrics um, system as far as uh, how community pharmacies are reimbursed and kinds of metrics that affect us and we're affecting the practice moving forward. 
Um, so I was going to a lot of different conferences, um, seeing how like the major players in the pharmacy space were responding to the changes in healthcare and um, meeting different um, people in that regard. Um, towards the end of the residency experience, that's when we started to move more into the naloxone space as far as um, providing without a prescription. So a lot of the work I was doing at the tail end of my residency was in that. Um, and as you've seen, um, as time has passed since I've left, um, there's been a lot of different initiatives for community pharmacies to provide naloxone to patients without prescriptions. And um, it was pretty exciting to be at the beginning of that work with Walmart. What kind of conferences were you attending? Because I recently actually started going to um, a few different conferences myself over the last year or so. And uh, I definitely see how there's a lot of great experiences there. Was there any conferences that stuck out to you or, or things that you're or even continually trying to to go to? Um, I think the big one was, uh, so there's the Pharmacy Quality Alliance, uh, which is an organization of all different players in the pharmacy space that like their sole purpose is to kind of deal with the changing regulatory space in pharmacy and um, gather lots of different key stakeholders in the same room to talk about it. Um, and that's not something, that's not the kind of organization you hear about in pharmacy school because it's at a much higher level. Um, but kind of being able to go to those kinds of experience and seeing um, the different players that were there and the kind of problems they were talking about, I think that was probably the biggest eye-opener. Um, but then also, of course, like I went to APHA, ASHP mid-year, um, and uh, SNAFA, um, annual conference in the summertime and got to talk to students about uh, careers in pharmacy and networking and things of that nature. So you know, getting the experience to not only um, see new side of the profession, but also going to the conferences that I was going to as a student, but now as a practitioner, I think it was very helpful. Yeah. So did you go straight into the VA role um, uh, after kind of that uh, working with Walmart in the residency or what? So immediately after the residency or, or you know, w- whether it was like in the middle or, or whatever, what was that transition like to working in the VA? Yeah, so the VA was my next job. So I finished the residency uh, for June 30th, 2016, and then started at the VA in August of 2016. Uh, so, you know, I had some downtime to go home with the family and things like that. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't like a, a, it wasn't too long of a wait. I mean, it was long enough <laughs> waiting to start. But yeah, I went um, immediately to the VA where like I said I was a program manager for pharmacological economics and informatics. And what was that, uh, I guess, what was that day-to-day like there, like at the VA? And Because, uh, I mean, that just sounds like, I mean, well, maybe it could be some similar overlap from what you were doing at Walmart. But what was that day-to-day like at the VA? Yeah, so it was kind of like, it was kind of like doing... MTM, but for the whole um, facility. Um, so essentially, uh, I was the guy making sure that, um, or doing data analysis and deep dives on um, patient medication use, um, checking to see like areas where prescribers were, weren't sticking to the formulary. Um, also, being that I was over the informatics side, any of the any of the system updates that were going on, I was the point of contact for those. 
so as we were like when I first got there, we were um, getting into the the Texas PDMP. So I had to um, install that in our on the back end of our uh, system, and it was just. I mean, I think the biggest um, carryover piece was understanding, like, from well, carryover piece from the Walmart experience was understanding the whole um, patient adherence aspect and uh, and medication management piece that we were trying to um, push at the community level. But now I got to be the one pulling some of those levers at the VA. Yeah. Now I remember uh, I recently had a informatics pharmacist on on the podcast not too long ago, and I think we had, he had talked about how you can ask an informatics pharmacist like what informatics is and you'll always hear like a different response. And then I was at a school the other day kind of talking to some students about kind of the future of pharmacy and one of them asked like they said that they thought informatics was interesting but they also don't know like what the exact definition of like an informatics pharmacist is. So if someone were to ask you that, what would be the answer that you would give them? Like what is an informatics pharmacist? Yeah, I guess the... Um the annoying answer would be it depends um <laughs> yeah, because like in in the va aspect like you're really just dealing with the the va systems and then in my role as well i was doing a lot of um well not kind of like crossing over to data science piece um where i was using sql to run queries and writing code to um pull data that we had whereas if i was maybe in a private hospital i might be working more with cerner or um some other um, health informatics program. And depending on what health system you work at, you may or may not get exposed to certain certain things in informatics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at, at the, the overall piece, like as a informatics pharmacist, it's more than likely that you're the one managing um, your health system's drug file, um, updating um, the formulary, updating... Um, any kinds of uh, all the backend data really um, that the that the pharmacists or the doctors the nurses kind of deal with. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think my answer to her was something along the lines of similar to whole like the whole it depends type of thing, uh, but that it's a lot of it is data management, um, software, uh, working with vendors and things like that, with just making sure software operations is is intact and. Uh, you know, troubleshooting any problems there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's really true. It really can just depend drastically on, on kind of where you're at. Um, so let's transition into, uh, so into like, uh, the military and kind of like armed forces and, and there. So let's start from the beginning. So I think you have listed that you were a CBRN specialist, or I think it's like, there's like a short way to kind of call that. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, so can you just give us what that acronym is? What is it normally called and kind of what, I know it might not even have to do with, I think it was before you were in pharmacy, but give us a little bit of background about the CBRN specialist. Yeah, so CBRN stands for Chemical, Biological, Radiological, and Nuclear. Um, so long story short, that's like hazmat. So like the kind of the guys you see in the white suit responding to all kinds of different bio um, hazard kind of things. So, I mean, that job in the Army or military period is it's kind of a job you hope you never actually have to do because that would mean something really terrible happened uh, where we were attacked uh, chemically or nuclear, that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, that role, I joined in 2010. Um, I was doing that. Um, so really a lot of it was just like 
keeping up with the skills, going to training. Um, and then, like I mentioned, uh, 2016 is when, well, 2015 is when I, after graduating, I applied to get my commission to be an Army pharmacist instead and make that transition. So when you were doing the, the CBRN, was it almost just like the fascination with how like chemicals worked in the body and like the effect that had, and it kind of was just like a kind of a transition to pharmacy because it's almost the same. It's just obviously there's, you know, we're dealing with prescription drugs versus military warfare. No, not, not. so when <laughs> I, when I, yeah, when I joined, um, I, I would have much rather have preferred being like a technician or some kind of specific healthcare, um, job in the army but there weren't any that fit the timeline i was looking for and they kind of explained that like yeah if you do this it's like you could potentially be in a lab somewhere you know and they had a bunch of guys in white suits in the video and i thought okay well that's kind of similar (laughs) it's not it's not (laughs) it's not really it's more this job was a lot more decontamination than actually um, dealing with uh, medicine specifically gotcha Cool. All right. So let's talk about, you said you had to apply to commission to be a pharmacist in the army. What, what's that process like? Is that something not, is that not easy to do? Um, give us some background as to, you know, what it's like to, to be an army pharmacist if you can. Yeah. So, um, each, so like the fiscal year for the military starts October 1st. So, um, the process essentially is after you've been licensed, so they don't really want to, talk to you too much if you don't have your license yet. But after you've been licensed, um, you can start your packet with a local recruiter. Um, so it's going to involve a physical. You're going to have to do a physical fitness test um, um, as well as an actual, actual application where, you know, you get reference letters and um, give them your, your resume and, you know, highlight all your experiences. And then your packet goes before a board that evaluates you um, versus, you know, the current applicants in the pool, as well as the needs of the military. And then if you're selected, then you get sworn in and then you go to um, basic officer leadership course at whichever time, you know, makes sense for your, your schedule and the military schedule. Uh, so, I mean, for me, it was a little different because I was already in, but I can imagine for someone that hasn't been in, everything's going to feel new. So do they have to go through, like, let's say uh, I'm assuming someone that does not have military experience, but they wanted to be an army pharmacist, would they have to mm-hmm. go through the, all that training that, uh, just a regular, uh, person that wanted to join the army had to go through? Like, I think it's like a six week training camp or I forgot the name of the exact term of that, but would they have to do that as well? Yeah, I think, I think now, I think more recently they've created like a, uh, a boot camp specifically for people that what we call direct commission, which is what you would do coming as a pharmacist or a doctor or, or nurse, anything like that, um, where you're with other people that are coming in the same way as you. So you're not, I don't think you're doing boot camp with like people at fresh out of high school that joined the military, but it's, it's more um, people with a similar background. And then after that, you go to the basic officer leadership course. Gotcha. Cool. And then what is that, uh, like, how does that work? I mean, where, where does a, what, what roles do a army pharmacist have? Um, I guess in the military or or in the army, or 
is it does it change drastically from military branches so is there like a uh, a pharmacist in the marines completely different or the navy completely different to a pharmacist in the army um i don't think it it changes too much between branches because in a lot of places um you might find people of different branches uh working in the same environment um but essentially like as a as a brand new pharmacist um in the military you you're, you it's highly likely you could end up you know being in leadership right away right so um like a pharmacist in charge of like inpatient pharmacy or outpatient pharmacy for example um and as you get more tenure then you're you're opened up to newer opportunities like if you like the army has residency programs both pgy1 and 2 um they have fellowship opportunities with um like different um players in industry um and then of course there's um deployments if if that happens and not all deployments are to combat zones like i had a, like a colleague that he ended up going to honduras um and being the pharmacist in charge out there um, a lot of people go to germany um which tends to be a really good time uh, so like yeah i mean you expect the same kind of places you'll see a hospital pharmacist operating um you can see that as well um in the military but on the flip side um as you get more tenured as well um you have opportunity to do things like in tricare um where you're doing like more formal management more kind of executive roles um but still within the pharmacy space that's pretty cool so it sounds like you can have kind of the uh, just to start off, usually kind of the clear cut, like either you're a staff pharmacist at a outpatient pharmacy or uh, doing uh, staffing, either inpatient, maybe some clinical rounds on the inpatient side. And then as you get tenure, you can move, move towards more like managed care type of roles. Right. Cool. Now, in terms of deployment, because I feel like a lot of people that don't really have a lot of experience in armed forces or military but maybe want to get this sort of experience uh, would have questions about, you know, how does being deployed work? Uh, is that something where you have a lot of say in or you have a lot of, you know, um, time to plan for, or uh, can you give some insight there as to like what that experience is like for someone that has to get deployed? Do they have, what, what type of say, I guess, do they have in that process? Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you join, um, you can, I would expect that it can happen to you, um, which is interesting because typically when you're in, a lot of times you end up wanting to deploy. Um, so you can volunteer for deployments as well. But like if if you get selected to deploy, usually you know in advance, especially if you're active duty in in the pharmacy space, you'll know. Um, as a reservist, um, sometimes your deployments, or I should better say mobilizations, um, they can still be stateside. Like I was living in El Paso as a reservist, and then I got mobilized to Fort Bliss, which is in El Paso. So, you know, I didn't have them. I was in my house, you know. Um, whereas some of the people that did it with us, they were coming from San Antonio, from um, some places in the Midwest, but they were still stateside, for example. Yeah. So it, it can it varies, but like I said, you you often have times to volunteer if you want to. Um, I've gotten emails asking me if I wanted to take somebody's place in Germany, for example, or to go to Kuwait. 
Um, and people do it. People, a lot of people that are in, you, once you get in that environment, you start to, you see some benefits to doing that and people, people volunteer. Yeah. So before we move on to your kind of roles with, uh, Boston consulting group, uh, what advice can you give to someone that was interested in being a pharmacist for the army um, or the armed forces in general? Uh, what steps could they take? Uh, what, or what general advice would you have for someone that was interested in it? There are things to consider that they might not have otherwise being that you kind of had uh, some experience in that role. Yeah. I think the main thing is to um, start the conversation with the recruiter uh, early, uh, find out what the opportunities are. Um, if there's any um, financial incentives, um, like bonuses, loan repayment, things like that. Uh, and if, if, if they tell you that like now is not the, the window or something like that, then just keep in contact um, because you never know. Well, I mean, in general, you would start the process in the summertime, but there's certain, sometimes opportunities where they might do some late recruiting in the springtime. And also, like, if you have a friend or family member in the military, ask them questions while you're going through the process so that uh, you, you make sure you're asking in well-informed questions. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. All right. So what is, uh, what is your role with uh, BCG? Tell us, give us some insight there. How did you get there? Um, what's the day-to-day like? Uh, what does it do high level also, I guess? Yeah, so I'm a management consultant. Management consultant. Um, essentially, <laughs> the day to day, there's not really a, there's no real typical day to day. What we do is different companies, organizations, um, governments hire um, consultants to essentially help them solve problems or um, create strategies, things of that nature. Um, so, in my role, I'll I would be staffed to a project team where, where whatever company organization we're working with, um, I would have a specific, like what we call a module, which is, you know, my work stream where that could vary anywhere from, um, running data models in Excel, um, to interacting with clients and managing, um, client meetings. So, like, yeah, there's no real day to day that I can say that's typical. Yeah. Um, it's like an yeah, informatics for, pharmacist all over yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so for me, my path it was actually pretty uh, non-traditional as well. Like I just applied online, which is very weird when I say it because if you ask friends that you might have that you might have that are MBA school, um, is a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of people do internships and. Or they get a referral to get in, but yeah, I just applied online and it worked out. Well, I mean, you have a very unique background, so I think that there was, you know, some compelling things there when someone kind of looks at your looks at your resume. Now, what kind of made you? What was attractive, I guess, to do something like that, uh, especially having a background as a pharmacist? You know, assuming that you were you enjoyed being a pharmacist and and enjoyed the the things that you were working on at, either at the VA or, um, you know, at, at what you previously your previous experience at Walmart. So what kind of um, kind of compelled you to apply, I guess, to that and uh, to that role? Yeah, I think it all started when I was at Walmart. That's when I was exposed to the field of consulting period. Um, I had done 
some project work with some people and uh, one of the managers, he had mentioned that, um, hey, maybe I should consider looking into consulting and he actually joined out BCG because his brother worked there. Um, but at the time, I didn't look too much into it. I was um, still trying to figure out what I want to be next in pharmacy. Um, and then at one point, I was thinking about going to business school. And as I was doing research on business school, prepping for the GMAT, things like that, um, I kept seeing that like consulting was a big uh, field that people go to after their MBAs. Um, and when I realized that you could get into a consulting firm with an advanced degree, which a PharmD would apply to, uh, that's when I was like, well, you know, instead of doing business school for two years, then maybe I can do consulting and get a lot of the experiences that I was looking for and knowledge. Um, so, like, for example, if, if I was doing a healthcare case in this firm, I would, I could be with a pharma company dealing with like the executive leadership, you know, versus being, um, just a team member or not, I mean, not just a team member, but I could do a lot higher level things in healthcare or mm -hmm. other industries of interest. Um, so that was a lot of the, the compelling reasons for me to make the transition. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned kind of your thought process was like, you know, potentially going to MBA school um, uh, to getting a business degree. If someone were to ask you, uh, like a pharmacist, because I, I get asked this a lot and a lot of times my answer, you know, unfortunately, it also comes back as it depends. But if someone were to ask you about if they should potentially do an MBA uh, or, or kind of go the route that you went, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, specifically around the MBA, I think a lot of times pharmacists end up wanting to do advanced degrees because we don't feel like the degree we have is enough to do what we want to do, um, which I would respond to saying that's not the case. Um, if you think outside the box, like going four years of pharmacy school, it trains you to do a lot of critical thinking, research, um, ability to synthesize high volume of information, which is a very respectable skill set um, in the in the workforce. Um, if you're able to communicate that and um, when you apply to different positions outside of your comfort zone, I think you'll find that you're a lot more competitive than you think. Um, like I said, in my case, um, I applied with no referral or anything like that. And um, as I'm explaining what I've done in pharmacy, that it's really interesting to a lot of people here that didn't do any, like they went to MBA school or got PhDs or like things like that. So um, that would be my uh, suggestion there. I mean, unless like you're trying to go do investment banking, for example, or something where like you're like you need to get more knowledge on financial analysis and things like that. Um, I think the MBA might not be as necessary as you think. Yeah, it's a, it was a fear of mine too. I always thought that it it was a bit excessive to do it, especially with a lot of the MBA being, uh, you know, a lot of the knowledge already kind of available, you know, on, online for free. Because a lot of times I think it's one thing to go there to get the actual education, but then there's, a, there's also a reason to go just to say that you have that piece of paper or those letters behind your name. Uh, yeah. So I think I think depending on what your motives are or what your requirements are for what your next step is in your career, that might have a factor um, in that. But I, I appreciate your your uh, your t 
take on it. Uh, is there any, yeah. is there any, no, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say another thing um, I thought a lot about was if, if I were to become like successful in this field, I think it'd be really awesome to see for when, when I'm talking about my education that it stopped at Howard university college of pharmacy and not that, you know, I went and got like some top 20 MBA after pharmacy school. And then that's how I became successful. Um, I think it's, it's just be a lot, it'd be a more interesting story. So yeah, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to in the future. So is there anything that's, uh, that you can talk about specifically that you worked on with BCG that was like maybe in the healthcare space? I know you talked about like you can do, you know, models with financial projections and things like that and work through problems. But is there anything specific that you can talk about that a problem that you might have solved or a project that you worked on uh, just to give someone insight as to like the things that someone could do if they did decide to go into consulting um, and kind of make that shift from pharmacy and business into consulting? Yeah, so I haven't done too much in the healthcare space yet. Um, but I've got a chance to work on some proposal work in healthcare, um, more specifically for a regional health plan, um, help, helping them where we're proposing, how we can help them figure out their strategy for the next five years. Um, but the project that I have worked on, um, it was with the IT services firm. So essentially, we were doing org design. Um, so basically taking them from a diamond-shaped structure where they have a lot of middle management and um, a lot of distance between the bottom level employees and CEO to more of a pyramid structure where employees are more empowered um, to be able to take ownership in their day-to-day and management's more empowered to make decisions without a lot of bureaucracy. Um, so for me, that being my first project in a field that had nothing to do with anything that I've done and, and could be doing things I haven't done, um, I guess it's a testament to say, of the adaptability that we have where I was still able to, to have a successful outcome in the project and get a lot of great feedback from um, my project leaders on my performance in that regard. Uh, but like in general, like some of the like interesting work we've done specifically, like at the office on that, we had a project for that here where um, there was a big problem with stray dogs in Dallas <laughs> and, uh, and BCG uh, did a project where uh, first, um, they you know drove around in like Ubers, counting up how many dogs they were finding um, roaming around the streets, and then helping the city develop a strategy to, to combat that epidemic. Because um, when you got lost your dogs running around, you know people are getting bit, stray animals, and like they were putting they were putting down around like 50 percent of the dogs they were catching. Um, and then after the project, you know looking back, like they're catching like three times as many stray animals, but only putting down 10% of them because um, they were the adoption rates were higher. It's based on some of the, the um, feedback we gave them and the strategies that we gave them to, to improve that. So like, yeah, it, it can range anywhere from um, like working with CEOs of Fortune uh, 500s to doing uh, social impact work where you're cleaning up the streets of the city you're in. Can you give any any thoughts or words on uh, so there's obviously a lot of consolidation happening and then there's a lot of streamlining happening in some of these like large corporations, um, specifically like grocery chains and um, uh, pharmacy chains and things like that. 
what people don't realize is a lot of times that there are, you know, certain consultants that come in or, or these companies hire, you know, firms to help them with their operations. But a lot of some of that, um, sometimes jobs get cut or stores get closed um, because of some of the streamlining that happens. So yeah. is there any thoughts that you have about like, how, like uh, some insight as to what, what goes on when some of these firms go into these companies and why? Um, sometimes uh, some of the kind of unforeseen consequences end up happening. Yes, I wouldn't be able to speak specifically to like like some of the things that have been happening in pharmacy specifically. But in general, when um, things like that happen, it's not because like some consultants came in there and told them to cut 30% of their employees. Um, it's more like saying, like for example, we did in our project, it was, Hey, this is what good looks like, you know, and how how can you get to good as far as your your structure, you know? So, um, in a lot of cases, the like companies have workforces that don't really make sense to what to, like their revenues, to their productivity, um, to how they operate. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, like, on the flip side, after you take that, that lens um, at, the, at the issue, uh, it leads to job reductions. Um, yeah. And a yeah. lot of times it's like, it, it's just that they either thought that they were going to grow at a certain rate and they didn't because yeah. of other factors. And then, but they had this, all this other infrastructure in place to support something that just never happened. Uh, and then, you know, they just need to have a quick... Uh, because of the fiscal year or, or because of them needing to meet certain financial incentives, they have to bring in a consultant to help like, you know, streamline and fix it. But uh, I think I, I recently heard one of the, one of the recent closures, like sometimes it's like investment firms even that come in. So like venture capital is like a whole nother beast that could potentially get involved in uh, acquiring uh, you know, acquiring a grocery or acquiring a large, acquiring a large percentage of some um, some company, and that venture capital firm is quote like kind of serves as consultants that kind of come in and kind of streamline everything and potentially create cuts that that occur and just it's felt by pharmacists sometimes and technicians. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, venture capital definitely um, like their their purpose really is you know uh, acquire a company that's struggling, um, make a bunch of changes management-wise, infrastructure-wise, and boost the value of the company in whichever way they deem fit. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough times, but... All right, so uh, random, super random question. If you had to take someone out to dinner uh, and that person had to be alive and they had to be famous, like have a Wikipedia page, who would that person be and why? Um, I think it would probably be like Colin Powell. Interesting. That yeah. makes sense though with the with the military background. <laughs> okay, but why? Yeah, though? I mean, um, so in general, um, I mean, he just has a really great story. Immigrant parents, um, I believe he grew up in New York, um, then, you know, went to college, RTC, um, became a general and served in cabinet in the White House. Um, and then I, I heard him speak at, uh, at actually the ASHP conference, and he seems like a really interesting guy as far as uh, 
this perspective on life. So I, I think it makes for good conversation. I mean, I'm also kind of immigrants. Um, so just talking, you know, hearing more about his experiences growing up and nasty to get to get to where he got to in life. Yeah. Where's your, where's your uh, family from? Nigeria. Oh, nice. So my, my family's yeah. from Trinidad. I'm a first generation okay. American as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. I, I mean, I don't know if you were born here or, not, or over there, but I was, I was actually born here, but, uh, but both my parents are from Trinidad. Yeah. Yeah. I was born here as well. Yeah. Well, Prince, thank you so much uh, for all your inside information. If someone wanted to connect back with you, um, what would be the best way that they can connect? Yeah, I would say just uh, shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Um, and if you add me, please add a message with it. Nice. <laughs> I think that, yeah, that, that's kind of a yeah big thing. Um, I don't, sometimes I just get random ads. I don't know who they are. But yeah, if you send a message, I'm good at responding. Perfect. And I'll make sure to add that in the show notes, uh, the link to your LinkedIn page so people can connect back with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Make sure to connect with me on any of your favorite social media platforms. I'd love to hear what you thought about the episode. And if you're listening on iTunes, please make sure to subscribe and leave a rating on there. It's really helpful for discovery for other people to find the podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Pharmacy.